0: Chapter 81 of the House by the Churchyard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The House by the Churchyard by Joseph Sheraton Lefanu. Chapter 81 In Which Mr. Dangerfield Receives a Visitor and Makes a Call. Dangerfield walked out. And blandly greeted the visitor, who turned out to be Mr Justice Lowe. I give you good morning, sir. Pray alight and step in. Hullo, Doolin, take Mr Justice Lowe's horse. So Mr. Lowe thanked him in his cold way, and bowing, strode into the brass castle, and after the customary civilities, sat himself down and says he, I've been at the Crown Office, sir about this murder we may call it upon Sturk, and i told them you could throw a light as i thought on the matter as how sir why regarding the kind of feeling that subsisted between the prisoner nutter and dr Stirk. 'Tis unpleasant sir but i can't object there was an angry feeling about the agency i believe Lord Castle Mallard's agency, eh? continued Lowe. Well, I suppose it was that. There certainly was an unpleasant feeling, very unpleasant. You've heard him express it? Yes, I think most gentlemen who know him have. Why, he made no disguise of it. He was no great talker, but we've heard him on that subject. But you specially know how it stood between them in respect of the agency? yes very good sir said Low. and i've a notion that something decisive should be done toward effecting a full discovery and i'll consider of a method replied dangerfield how do you mean said Low, looking up with a glance like a hawk how why i'll talk it over with mrs Stirk this evening why what has she got to tell nothing as i suppose i'll see her to-day there's nothing to tell but something i think to be done it hasn't been set about rightly tis a botched business hitherto that is my judgment yet tis rather a strong case answered mr lowe superciliously rather a strong case so it is but i'll clench it sir it ought to be certain well sir said lowe who expected to hear more yes said dangerfield briskly will depend on her i'll suggest she'll decide and why she sir said low sharply because tis her business and her right and no one else can answered dangerfield just as tartly with his hands in his breeches pockets and his head the least thing on one side and then with a bow won't you drink a glass o wine sir which was as much as to say you'll get no more from me i thank you sir no tis a little too early for me and so with the usual ceremonies mr lowe departed the governor of the brass castle walking beside his horse as far as the iron gate to do him honour and as he rode away towards Lucan, mr dangerfield followed him with a snowy smirk then briskly after his wont the knight of the shining spectacles made his natty toilet and in a few minutes, his cocked hat was seen gliding along the hedge toward Chapel it He glanced up at Stark's window. It was a habit now. So soon as he came in sight, but all looked as usual. So he mounted the steps and asked to see Mrs. Turk. "My dear madam," said he, after due courtesies interchanged, "I've but a few minutes. My horse waits yonder at the Phoenix, and I'm away to town." How does your patient today? Oh, mighty well. Wonderful. That is, considering how cold the weather is. The doctor says he's lower indeed. But I don't mind that, for he must be lower while the cold continues. I always say that, and I judge very much by the eye. Don't you, Mr. Dangerfield? By his looks, you know. They can't deceive me, and I assure you, your house is quiet are the children out mom oh yes with mag in the park perhaps mom would let me see him see him yes look at him mom only for a moment you know she looked very much surprised and perhaps a little curious and frightened i hope you haven't heard he's worse mr dangerfield oh sir sure you haven't no madam on my honour except from yourself i've heard nothing of him to-day but i'd like to see him and speak a word to you with your permission so mrs stirke led the way upstairs whispering as she ascended for she had always the fancy in her head that her barney was in a sweet light sleep from which he was on no account to be awakened forgetting or not clearly knowing that all the ordnance in the barrack yard over the way had not voice enough to call him up from that dread slumber. "'You may go down, my dear,' said Mr. Dangerfield to the little girl, who rose silently from the chair as they entered. "'With your permission, Mistress Stirk. "'I say, child, you may run down.' And he smiled a playful, sinister smile, with a little wave of his finger toward the door. So she curtsied and vanished obediently then he drew the curtain and looked on dr Sturk. there lay the hero of the tragedy his smashed head strapped together with sticking plaster and a great white fold of fine linen like a fantastic turban surmounting his grim yellow features then he slipped his fingers under the coverlet and took his hand a strange greeting that but it was his pulse he wanted and when he had felt it for a while, pshaw, said he in a whisper, for well, the semblance of sleep affected every one alike, his pulse is just gone. Now, madam, listen to me. There's not a soul in chapel, is it, but yourself, who does not know his wounds are mortal? He's dying, mom Oh, 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 Mr. Dangerfield, you don't, you don't think so wildly cried the poor little lady growing quite white with terror and agony now pray my dear mistress Sturk, compose yourself and hear me out Tis my belief he has a chance but none absolutely no chance madam unless my advice be taken there's not an evening ma'am i meet dr toole at the club but i hear the same report a little lower always the same Lower, sinking, and no hope. Here Mrs. Stirk broke out again. Now, madam, I protest you'll make me regret my visit unless you please to command yourself. While the doctors who are about him have got him in hands, there's neither hope for his life nor for his recovering for one moment the use of his speech. Pray, madam, hear me. They stayed as much themselves now madam i say we must have a chance for his life and if that fails a chance for his speech the latter madam is of more consequence than perhaps you are aware poor little mrs Stirk was looking very pale and breathing very hard with her hand pressed to her heart i've done what i could you know to see my way through his affairs and i've succeeded in keeping his creditors quiet at this point, poor Mrs. Stirk broke out, "Oh, may the father of the fatherless, if such there are to be bless and reward, oh, oh, ho, oh, oh, Mr. Dangerfield, oh, 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 sir, now, pray, madam, oblige me and be tranquil. I say, madam, his affairs, I suspect, are by no means in so bad a case as we at first supposed." and he has got or i'm mistaken large sums out but where neither i nor you can tell give him five minutes speech and it may be worth a thousand pounds to you well not to you if you will but to his children and again madam tis of the utmost importance that he should be able to state who was the villain who struck him charles a charles mr nutter you know madam oh that dreadful man may heaven forgive him oh my barney look at him there he'd forgive him if he could speak you would my blessed barney you would to be sure he would but see mom the importance of having his evidence to settle the fact well i know that he would not like to hang anybody but suppose mom charles nutter is innocent don't you think he'd like to acquit him i you do well ma'am, 'tis tis due to the public you see and to his children that he should have a chance of recovering his speech and to common humanity that he should have a chance for his life eh and neither will the doctors who have him in hands allow him now madam there's a simple operation called trepanning you have heard of it which would afford him a chance but fearing its failure they won't try it although they allege that without it he must die you see ay die he must without a cast for his life if you won't try it and so by harping on the alternatives and demonstrating the prudence humanity and duty of action and the inevitably fatal consequences of the other course he wrought upon her at last to write a note to surgeon dillon to come out on the evening following and to perform the operation the dreadful word to-day the poor little woman could not abide she pleaded for a respite and so half distracted fixed to-morrow i hope my dear madam you've some little confidence in me i think i've shown an interest and i've striven to be of use oh sir mr dangerfield you've been too good our guardian angel what for you sir we should not have a roof over our heads or a bed to lie on oh may well ma'am you please to speak too highly of my small services but i would plead them humble as they are as a claim on your confidence and having decided upon this wise and necessary course Pray, do not say a word about it to anybody but myself. I will go to town and arrange for the doctor's visit, and you'll soon, I hope, have real grounds for gratitude—not to me, Mom, but to Heaven. End of Chapter Eighty One. Recording by John Brandon.